Welcome to the College Baseball Nation podcast. I'm your host, John Peters, joined by Kyle McKelvey. This week on the podcast, we're taking a look back at the 2022 season and taking a look ahead at the 2023 season, including our brand new preseason top 50. Let's talk college baseball. Kyle, it's good to see your beautiful shining face once again, recording another Same episode of the College Baseball Nation podcast. Same to you. It's uh, It's been a few months, last recorded in July. Here we are in January, looking ahead now towards the 2023 season of uh, college baseball, the third season of the College Baseball Nation podcast. Wow, we're so old. Yeah, I think... Uh, I, I mean, yeah, that, that's a segue to, I guess, our 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 main off-season topic, probably for both of us. This just went from like two guys talking college baseball to two dads talking college baseball, which I feel like is like a substantially different podcast. But that is the reality. We both had first <laughs> babies in the off-season. <laughs> yeah, my baby is uh, three months old yesterday, and your baby was what five weeks old? Five, five weeks on the dot today. I think nice. that like there's I'm definitely still in that like parenting fog brain right now, still struggling to get to sleep. Just the other day, my wife Cassie and I, we, we were out for a walk with our dog, Omaha, who's been mentioned on the podcast before. Omaha is a, a little bit of an older guy, rescue. We don't quite know his age because we got him as an adult. And we passed by this this lovely couple on their front lawn and they say, How old's the baby? And me with my parenting brain said, oh, we're not sure we adopted him. He's like five or six years. And Cassie cut me off. I was like, the baby's four weeks old. <laughs> They're talking about the baby, not the dog, John. The so, baby. yeah. <laughs> you adopted this baby. I don't know how old he is. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Their faces are like, what? Like, And they never, like, I don't know. They never really laughed. They were, they were just like judgy no. about it, I think. <laughs> it's going gonna, it's gonna to take some transition time for you, I think. Yeah, uh, I'm looking forward to the like first night he sleeps more than like three hours in a in a given stretch. Oh yeah, uh, having just passed that that milestone, uh, I'll tell you it's very nice. Yeah, uh, it's uh, it, it will make my life a whole lot easier. That's for sure. Yeah, I mean, but, then you and you just started working again too, so that's a that's a stressful time period, I guess. Yes. Everything is running full speed right now, so no holding back and uh, no holding back for a college baseball season prep either. So here we are once again looking ahead. We've already started our coverage on the website collegebaseball.info. We have a couple of conference previews out uh, and we have our preseason top 50, which we're going to get to in the second half of the podcast, but I want to start off with a few finishing touches. Let's put some ribbons on some topics from the 2022 year. And I really want to also think about how these topics from a year ago are going to play into the 2023 season. So all of this first part, I think, is going to be kind of bridging what happened last year to what might be happening this year in 2023. And so let's start off with a segment called What are the Odds? And it's really hard to repeat as national champs in college baseball, but let's throw it to you, Kyle. What are the odds of Ole Miss repeating as national champs this year? I mean, I'd say they're better than some that we've seen in the past. Like there, there haven't been that many repeats going back 
into at least 2006 as my, as my spreadsheet goes. Yeah, Oregon Vanderbilt's State repeated, done it. Yeah. Yeah. Oregon State repeated 2006, 2007, South Carolina 2010, 11. Um, Vanderbilt, did they do it? No, I don't think they went back to the final in 2015. You're right. After I'm, after winning and they lost to Virginia, but that's it. It's yeah. it's hard to do. Yeah, I mean, I I would say that they're one of the favorites because they're really talented and no one thought they could do it last year, and so they give have me a number. Give me a number sure. between one and a hundred percent, or zero and a hundred percent. I guess one hundred percent and one hundred percent. Um, let's see. Uh, I'd go like a a thirty percent chance. Whoa, 30% chance of repeating. I don't know. I don't know. T- 10. <laughs> <laughs> You're just picking numbers out of a, <laughs> yeah. a hat right now? Well, uh, yeah. Let's I'm going to say 3%. Okay. Yeah. I'm, like between 2 and 3%. I think that like, in any given year, there's probably like, I don't know, 10 college baseball teams that are like clear kind of Omaha teams. There's another like 20 or 30 that feel like they should make the postseason. I feel like any given year though, there's like a few dozen teams that really have a legitimate shot at winning the college world series. And so, I That's mean, true. just a hundred divided by a few dozen plus some randomness. Let's put it at 3% for Ole Miss to repeat. DraftKings has Ole Miss at plus 1200. And I have no idea how that applies to a percentage, but <laughs> Um, they are the third highest SEC team um, in terms of odds behind LSU and Tennessee. So I think I think you're probably right. It's probably closer to like single digits. Just yeah, because it's it's so hard to do. Yeah, and I mean yeah. Speaking of hard to do, the the run in 2022 was kind of absurd. It's the mm-hmm. the first team to make it all the way to Omaha and win the whole thing while only playing road games since Coastal Carolina did all of that in 2016. Both Coastal and Ole Miss were three seeds in that process. I think Coastal probably felt a little more Cinderella-y, but Ole Miss, I mean, Ole Miss in their own right was a pretty unlikely team to be winning the College World Series last year after I think there was probably like a decent number of people who thought Ole Miss didn't belong in the tournament at all. Yeah, they were. A, they went from a 7-14 and 14 SEC record to winning the whole thing they were they were seven and 14 um i guess that's seven weeks through the sec schedule pretty close to the end uh, out of 10 weeks so they uh definitely turned it around old miss didn't even win a game in hoover they 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 finished the season like 12 or 13 and whatever out of 30 wins in the sec and so that's that was just an, an impressive end to that season to I mean, and most people didn't even have them in like i think i think in yeah. our last projection we didn't have them in and then yeah yeah, exactly. So it's did, but... it's uh, it's not your typical resume, but they got the job done. They showed up to the College World Series. Probably, I mean, still weren't even close to the favorite once they got there. There were several other SEC teams there that all had better resumes. They had to knock off Arkansas on the way to the championship series, beat an Oklahoma team that had been playing really well down the stretch. We just eliminated AM. So very unlikely run. It's hard to exactly quantify that uh, in terms of what were the odds of it all happening. I mean, I think the odds of them even making it into the tournament were probably like less than one out of four when it came to the selection day. So I don't know. Infinitesimally small probably would be their odds of winning it all, but they did that. So <laughs> Ole Miss fans, if you're hearing us give you 3% chance of winning the College World Series this year, that's still like 100% or 100 times higher than it was at the end of last year. That math seems to check out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, next up, let's 
go into a segment called something or nothing. Basically, this is a is this a big deal or is this not a big deal uh, kind of uh, that's the question that we have to answer. And I want to start here with Oklahoma State and Arkansas. They play each other the third game of the year. They're playing in the college baseball showdown. They play that that third game there or on that day three game. Is that is that a big deal or is that not a big deal? Is there bad blood between these teams? Is that something or nothing? Uh, that's that's a little something. I mean, so they're they're pretty close in terms of geography, and you you'd think that teams like that going back in history have played a lot, and so there's some historical bad blood. But surprisingly, they like haven't really played each other that much. However, I was doing some research, and both OSU and and Arkansas are wildly different in terms of how many games they think they've played against each other. OSU says the record is 46 and 21 in favor of in favor of the Cowboys. Arkansas says it's 25 and 18 in favor of the Cowboys. That's like a 20 something game difference. I don't know how it's so far off, but still they've, they've played a fair few times and they're close and a lot of the fan bases share um a lot of like I don't know, maybe DFW and Fayetteville and like some big cities in that area. Um, so yeah, there's sure. Let's say so there's some bad blood. Yeah, I'm gonna say it's a something too. I think, but mostly just because of what happened in the Stillwater Regional last year. I mean, that Stillwater Regional probably was one mm-hmm. of the biggest storylines. Uh, I mean, it, it had everything. Oklahoma State and Arkansas mm-hmm. played three times, so I mean that's a, a big way to. I mean, Oklahoma State ended the year losing to Arkansas. Also baked in there, <laughs> Oklahoma State had a game against Missouri State that they won 29 to 15 after they got down 12 to 0. So that 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 regional had it all. Very entertaining yeah. regional. Uh, had multiple lead changes in what turned out to be the regional almost final uh, that Oklahoma State beat Arkansas to send it into a deciding game seven that Arkansas won. I think... I think for Arkansas fans, I think they're excited to see Rock Riggio again. He's a a little bit of a of a potster at Oklahoma State. He uh, pimped some home runs, you know, kind of a played a little big big for his britches maybe in that regional uh, for a team that ended up losing that regional. And so I think Arkansas fans are going to remember that. So I'm calling this a something. Yeah something i'm looking forward to because it means the return of baseball yes that opening weekend it's going to be great all right something or nothing you did the stats on this college baseball nation (laughs) podcast guest did not go on to have the best records is that a something or is that a nothing well i really want it to be a nothing but (laughs) uh, but i went back and compared so the record for the whole year um compared to or i guess before our podcast like how they came on our podcast and after they came on our podcast. Um, I guess we can say that like we had a few Omaha content, uh, contestants. We had uh, Jim Slosnagel, of, of the head coach of AM. We had Braden Montgomery. He did all right. Yeah. Braden Montgomery yeah. did all right. Those guys were, were in Omaha at the end of the year. Yeah. And we had Parker Messick. Did, did he get drafted? I feel like he got drafted. I think. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Pretty high. Uh, we had Ethan Groff. We had a, f- a few uh, heavy hitters, and we had some we had some fun guests, of course. But uh, they didn't not all enjoyed their time on our podcast. Um, I think Tulane was was coming in pretty hot coming into our podcast, and they ended um, going twenty three, twenty four, and one, which I mean, we don't, we don't recognize ties on this podcast. <laughs> um, 
fired the uh, coaching staff. See. <laughs> or not yeah, the whole fired staff, the but uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, Travis Jewett is out at Tulane. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah. we had two guys end up at Omaha. Parker Messick got drafted in the second round. I mean, there were some accomplishments for our podcast guests <laughs> from a year ago. Yeah. Brady Montgomery but, is probably, if he hasn't been already, named preseason player of the year in the Pac-12. He's a big deal. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that just goes to show that we need to shake it off and invite some a bunch more guests so that we can see if see if it's like see if it continues to be a thing. Yeah. Yeah. See if there is a college baseball nation podcast curse. Yeah. Then they're, so, they're uh, not going to want to come on our podcast if that's the case, but we're going to try and turn it around. Yeah. I mean, people might start using us as a jinx. I will we'll we'll take that. Send us your uh the teams you want to jinx and we'll see if we can get some guests on the <laughs> podcast. We'll do our best. All right. Up next, let's head over to our report cards. Let's give some grades out to a few different things. And I want to start off with something we've talked about, the 2022 College World Series. Let's give this a letter grade, Kyle. How successful is that College World Series in your mind? Uh, I'm going to go a B plus, mostly because so I really like postseason baseball. It's really tense and it's really uh, the the spectacle of the whole thing, it kind of gets spotlight from a lot of people around the country um, because it's like the only sport going on at the time, aside from the Women's College World Series. Um, so it's just like a it's a really fun time, and I, I we've we've both been to who to, to Omaha and experienced spectacle there. So it's just a fun time. The games weren't all exciting. There were there were a lot of blowouts. There weren't any um, fewer than four. R- like hmm, how do I want to say that? Most of the games were had a four plus run differential, basically. So not all close. The championship series was fun, and then the Ole Miss Arkansas two games were really fun. So it ended on a good note at least. Um, and then there were a bunch of rivalries too, so that was kind of fun. Old A uh, and M in Texas played. Ole Miss and Arkansas played a lot. Auburn and Ole Miss have played a lot before. So uh, yeah, a B plus. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I'm going to go maybe a little bit lower. I'm going to give it a B. I think there was a few blowouts in that, which made it a little bit less exciting and perhaps hurt viewership. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, the Women's College World Series, the championship uh, games outdrew the Men's College World Series, which mm-hmm. is, um, I think, probably multi multifaceted. I think that's at least in part because no shots at Oklahoma. They like they have a much better softball support than they do baseball support. So like they didn't really like Oklahoma fans didn't really show up to the college world series, both in person. And I imagine probably not as much on their televisions either. I'm sure uh, if you looked at like ratings across the country, the state of Mississippi had their eyes on the college world series. But um, I think that, Something we're going to get to it a little bit. I think that college baseball games probably are getting a little bit long for TV. Mm. And so I think we're seeing some rule changes that are responding to that to try to improve viewership. Um, but before we get to that, let's give a, a grade to Tennessee baseball. <laughs> Tennessee, 57 to 9, 25 and 5, SEC champ times two. If you stop the sentence there, that's got to be an A plus season. Oh, absolutely. 
you can even go regional champ, knocked off Georgia Tech in the regional final, knocked off a, a scrappy Campbell team, A++. Things are going great. Lose two out of three game series in the Supers to Notre Dame. How much in your mind does that change the season for Tennessee? Uh, I'll go first on this one. I'm going to give Tennessee... I feel bad doing this. I think a B. I think like I think I value Omaha a lot. Like I know that that baseball is randomness and it's good to kind of like it, it's like you got to respect the teams that almost made it. Like the teams mm-hmm. that are game away from Omaha. Um, like those are still good teams for sure. I mean, this is one of the best teams in the recent history of our sport. But in terms of the report card, how would you do on your season? I think you can't get an A unless you get to Omaha. Man, that's tough. And I I mean, it's also different in the SEC. Every team in the SEC's goals at the beginning of the season are to end the season in Omaha. And pretty much everyone can say that, like, with a straight face, that that's a goal. And a lot of them are, like, pretty realistic. Tennessee coming into the season was was that same way. Um, and so if you don't – if you do – like fail quote unquote in that goal uh then yeah that kind of sucks it takes a, a bit of the shine off of the double champ 25 and 5 um regular season but uh, i'm going to go hmm i'll go b plus or a minus i'll go a minus cuz that regular season is just really fun and i mean if you we were a, a teacher you'd be the type of teacher to give everybody a's <laughs> Yeah, which, you know, I'm not, that's why I'm not a teacher and you are. <laughs> uh, we have a note on here that there that just says kind of annoying, um, <laughs> which, you know, everyone knows how, how volatile and uh, what's the word? I don't know. In- explosive. <laughs> explosive, I guess. They were, they were fun on the base paths and doing like, polarizing, flips, maybe. Polarizing. That's the word I was looking for. Yeah, yeah. they, if you root for them, you you really loved them. If you didn't, yeah, you might have hated them. Yeah, it's yeah, it's that kind of thing. So that's fun, at least. Maybe maybe people have are are gunning for you this year because of what you did to them last year, and so maybe if since you didn't make the Omaha, people are gonna make fun of you more. So I don't know. Let, let, okay, I'll go B plus. How about that? I've heard some rumblings around that, like just chatter that there, there's this like a. A split belief it seems like it feels like more of the college baseball pundits out there think that tennessee is going to be a little bit different in attitude this season that some of the like mm-hmm. gilbert and beck and some of those guys were kind of ringleaders in terms of the culture and that maybe this year is going to be more subdued i feel like the chatter on, amongst fans on twitter is like same old same old tennessee's gonna <laughs> like be tennessee um which really that whole persona only existed now for a, a year maybe a year and change at this yeah. point going going back New to money. 2021 a little bit uh do you have a, a take on that you think do you think tennessee is going to be chiller than they were last year or do you think that chip on their shoulder is going to make them even more pissed off well i don't think i don't think you can be like anywhere close to that that uh crazy so i think you have to be chiller than that than last year based just based on like what you said already but that's the that's the max that a college baseball team can be yeah you you put the sliders all the way on on angst and and gumption <laughs> they whatever. maxed out that stat right there already yeah yeah 
So I think I, I kind of hope he'll be chiller, but it's it was a fun storyline to follow and got some people interested on Twitter that otherwise might not have been. Brings me I like that. I, so you added that kind of annoying bit, I think, or or I <laughs> paraphrased based off of your notes for that. I think I liked Tennessee more than the average person did. I think they brought something to college baseball that like every good storyline needs. It had a villain and we got to see a scrappy Notre Dame topple that villain. Like if Tennessee hadn't had their whole antics throughout the season, Notre Dame wouldn't have been that scrappy underdog taking down the villain in the same way. So I, I give Tennessee credit for turning themselves into a villain because every every good story needs a villain. Uh, yeah, you gotta I, have a, a heel turn, you know. Yeah, exactly. And, and I like one thing that I've been mulling over for this question is to what extent does Tony Vitello set the culture versus to what extent does he kind of let some of his older players build the culture? Like, I don't think Tony Vitello is ever going to be the like Tim Corbin of like like he's he's just like he does not have that energy. Like, there are some guys out there that are just like super level headed, like no matter what, you know, their team is going to prepare and act in a certain way. But at the same time, just hearing Vitello in interviews and, and it's, I just don't think he's that much of a hothead. Like my instinct is that it really was player led and that he fed into that. Like there was a few times where I think he kind of used, like played off of the player's energy and kind of played into it. But I think for the most part, I do think that was player led. So I think we're actually going to see a different tennis Tennessee team this year. Didn't he push a ref? Yeah, I mean, but like <laughs> there was the like bat toss and the like chest check thing. But like I think that that's what I'm talking about. I think he was playing off his team's energy. Mm-hmm. I don't think he was the like ringleader in terms of the the energy. Like I think if he had a different group that's of guys, fair. which he does have this year, I think he's going to coach a little differently with them. Okay, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. I- I, I like the 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 fiery um, co- head coach. It's kind of fun. I don't know. Fiery Vitello. Yeah. All right. We'll so final thing on the report card is the rule changes that are being implemented either this year or after the season. There's a few of them. I'll just toss it to you right off. If you're going to give the rule changes coming this year a grade, what do you give them, Kyle? Ugh. Uh, because of the no props one, I think I got to go like a D or a C or something. That... <laughs> All right. So tell us about this. No props. That brings it yeah. down to a failing grade for you. It does. Yeah. It, I mean, there's basically, I think it was basically in response to Virginia Tech's hammer on the field. Like, I mean, that has to be the only one, or maybe there are a few other ones, but. I mean, um, Tennessee had their like leopard print coat and like there was like. Harmful. Yeah, there was like a there was a few definitely props that started coming in. So yeah, during the postseason last year, we saw an, like a sudden rule change where they couldn't have props on the field anymore. NCAA made that rule official. There will be no props allowed on the field for celebrations. That's the official rule change, just to make that clear. And Kyle, you're opposed. Yeah, I don't like that. But there are some other ones that are good. Of course, the third paid assistant is going to be great when that when that can finally happen. Uh, yep, coming assuming- July. Yeah, so after this season is when it's when it's coming into effect. And um, they're just like regular coaches. They're going to be paid coaches. They can do recruiting. They can coach on like in games. Like they are just going to be like doing like doing more good for the sport and getting paid to do it. Like win all yeah. around right there. And that can only just like help a lot of families. Like people are yeah. those coaches that are volunteers had to like do summer camps to like make make ends meet essentially. 
So now money. <laughs> they can actually be paid. Yeah, actually make money. They can yeah. actually be paid by the schools, which is cool. Good, good for good all around. Yep. What is your what is your grade? Uh, I'm gonna go a little higher. I mean, I I hate this no props rules because like, come on, like no fun league right here. Like, what's going yeah. on in CAA? Like, like these props aren't hurting anybody. Uh, I think that though the because of the third paid assistant rule coming, very much a pro of that. Uh, I think that the pitch clock rule that we're gonna get this year is pretty good. So we've had a pitch clock rule in baseball with this 20 second pitch clock. The reality is that there's not actually a displayed pitch clock at a lot of schools yet. That's going to be coming into effect in 2024. I believe it's a requirement to have that a pitch clock uh, in the stadium. So I think when we see that happening next year, it's going to be even easier to implement this rule. But um, one of the key things is, is that pitchers are only allowed one step off if there's no runners on base. And so like the silliest, like the dumbest thing ever last year was when a pitcher would like feel like they're running low on their pitch clock and step off and then like feel like they're running low and step off again it's like okay this is ridiculous like clearly the spirit of the rule was missed so now only allowing the one step off per at bat uh or one it's also just a one defensive timeout so it's really if there's no runners on there's one time you can kind of stop that clock and restart it, but you can't abuse that rule. I don't know if that's the thing that's going to like change college baseball to be like two hour games, but I think we'll trim some time down and uh, improve the pace a little bit. Um, the the other one, which is by no means a requirement, but conferences and teams can now agree if they want to use the MLB extra innings runner on second rule. That's something they're allowed to do. Um We'll see. I, I'm not. I don't anticipate that being like a, a thing that's hugely implemented. Maybe some of the smaller conferences that have tougher times with traveling or in those early midweek. season, yeah, midweek games, you might see something like that. Um, and then the last rule, which is not a rule but at least a discussion, is expanding postseason. I say because that's not a official rule yet. I won't. I won't bake it into my grade, but I'll give them a solid B for across the board what they've done. Because um, I think there's some good. There's some not so good. But that third yeah. paid assistant is pretty darn good. That is true. Yeah. Yeah. The the twenty five percent of the sport one that, that you were talking about. Yeah. The, like the goal is to try to get like 75, 80 teams in the postseason, and that's true for like a, a few different sports. I think it's not just ex- exclusive to college baseball. The way I had seen it, yeah, it was that each sport can have a committee that decides if, like, individually, if that sport wants to go up to twenty five percent of the teams in the sport making that tournament for the sport. So that would be, like you said, 75 to 80 teams. So an increase of 11-ish, whatever. Um, I, I don't love that, but because uh, I think I like the symmetry in, in our in our postseason tournament, and there's there's plenty of teams already. Um, but, you know, it could help some of the smaller schools, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I think the, the way that I've seen it chatted about would be a play-in game into mm-hmm. a regional and like have it maybe be something like you see in college basketball where some of the playing games would be like essentially four seed playing games. So a few mm-hmm. automatic qualifiers would have to go up against each other, but then some of the playing games would be three seed playing games. So have some at large teams go up against each other. So you basically just like college basketball does it. You don't just punish the, the low major teams and be like, okay, you can actually get to play in the real tournament. I don't love it. I, I think it could work. I'm not sure 
if it's going to happen anytime soon. So I don't think it's a, it's a little bit of a, let's see what happens in a couple of years. I think when maybe it gets seriously debated. Yeah. All right. So that's a wrap. Ole Miss national champs. Very surprising, but checking off a box for Mike Bianco and the Rebs that so desperately many around Oxford wanted checked. Uh, expectations will still always be high there, but I think Mike Bianco has definitely bought himself a little bit of time off the hot seat. It felt like he was always on the hot seat a little bit when Ole Miss was eliminated from the postseason. Um, and uh, it's time, right? Let's just full on turn the calendar over. 2023 college baseball season is here. And let's take a look at the preseason top 50. So we have our preseason top 50 on our website. And it includes 13 squads from the SEC, 10 from the ACC, 6 Pac-12, 5 Big 12, 4 Conference USA, and 4 teams from the Sun Belt. Let's run through 1 through 5 really quick. We have LSU, Tennessee, Stanford, Wake Forest, and Ole Miss. I think there's a lot of consensus across polls around those top three teams. It's not perfect consensus. I think there is perfect consensus actually at one and two between almost all the major polls where LSU and Tennessee are the front runners, LSU. And I mean, it should be like the LSU fighting transfers uh, at this point, plus Dylan Cruz and others. That's just a little bit of an exaggeration, (laughs) but they might have actually transferred in their whole weekend rotation. It's a little bit yet to be seen, which is kind of wild. Thatcher Hurd, Christian Little, but then Paul Skeens, the two-way guy who apparently in the offseason or in the, yeah just recently is up to almost 100 miles per hour on that fastball. I saw that. Yeah, so we uh, <laughs> uh, there's a lot of reasons to like LSU, but, and that's without mentioning Tommy Tanks, without mentioning Dylan Cruz, uh, it's going to be one of the best offenses in the country. Number t- two, Tennessee. I think their rotation is probably has a good case of being the best in the country. Stanford is old, talented, Wake Forest won 41 games last year, but they burned us before, and Ole Miss, the defending national champs, rounds out the top five. Uh, Anything you have to say, Kyle, about those top five? Yeah, I mean, I kind of pushed against adding Wake Forest in there because, like you said, they've burned us before, but just, I mean, their pitching is is pretty uh, experienced, I think, and they've Got yeah, a lot defending returning. ACC pitcher of the year at Louder is, yeah. I think, one of the the key headliners there. But um, we we've been burned. <laughs> we've been burned yeah. with the way, uh, at least we as a collective college baseball community. I think we've been waiting for them to have a breakthrough season again, and they just haven't put it together. And I'm just going to hold it in there and wait to say I told you so towards the end of the season. And I can't be punished if I if you were actually right. So it's fine. All right. Uh, I don't think that's particularly fair. But <laughs> I don't know if I have a say in that. Uh, we mm, have <laughs> 6 through 10, Texas A&M, Florida, Southern Miss, UCLA, and Louisville. The Aggies, I think this is a team after after a miracle team, I think that's a really hard team to be right. Like, and it was picked the bottom of the league made it to Omaha and the last four teams in or last four teams left in the tournament. Uh, is there pressure in that team in college station? I think 
I guess. Think, yeah, I mean, I think there's there's always pressure, but um, I don't know. I I'm skeptical on a few things. Their their defense was like pretty much pitiful last year, like, and they didn't really do a whole lot. Like, you really want to be good up the middle and the catcher is second and short. They returned Trevor Werner, who's a, a great well, no, it's Austin Boast, who is a, a pretty good second baseman, but question marks are still at, at short and center. Short and catcher, sorry. Um, I and They transferred in Hunter Haas from Arizona State, so he was a good player, didn't really have a great season last year. Um, hesitant on the defense, but pressure is there, always there, but uh, Schloss knows how to coach him up, so we'll see. I'm going to miss Micah Dallas. He was one of the yeah. great college baseball characters. He was so fun. So, seven, Florida. I, I mean, Florida's lost back-to-back home regionals, but this year you've got to feel like they're starting pitching. Oh, should, again, put them as one of the, the better staffs in the country. Um, I like the Gators. Southern Miss, I mean... Southern Miss is one of the oldest teams in college baseball in a time period where it's kind of hard to be old with all these grad transfers. So I think Southern mm-hmm. Miss, you got to like what um, what you have. I think you'd feel maybe a little bit better if you were Southern Miss, if you hadn't lost Hurston Waldrop to Florida. Mm-hmm. That's part of what makes Florida's pitching staff so great. Um, but Southern Miss will still have... Uh, quite a few of their own weapons ucla always talented louisville rounding out the top 10 any other thoughts on those top 10 squads well i think we have to pretty much guarantee a southern miss national championship right because it was two years ago it was mississippi state last year it was Ole miss and so now to round out the state of mississippi just give it to southern miss right I think if Southern Miss wins the national championship this year, I'm just going to go in on conspiracy theory that college baseball is scripted. <laughs> There's no other <laughs> way around it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's I see. It... I think we'll, uh, let's go kind of smattering of some other teams. I mean, we have Maryland at 12 as our highest ranked Big Ten team. Um, they are returning a, a large number of, t- of players from a team that hosted a regional I have a little bit of a question mark on Virginia Tech. I love Jack Hurley, who's going to be stepping up to replace Gavin Cross, presumably, in center field. But uh, Virginia Tech, I think, is a team that you could see a step back from. Uh, They haven't really been a a squad that sustained success for a long time. East Carolina at 17, highest-ranked American team. Then we have 18-19, Texas and Oklahoma State. Uh, uh, Texas Tech at 24. TCU at 27, Oklahoma down at 39. I don't I don't know what to think about the Big 12. The Big 12 is weird this year. I think Oklahoma mm-hmm. State, Texas are kind of in my mind two of the front runners. Texas Tech, we might actually be witnessing a rebuilding year in Lubbock, which you that's what? like a, a phrase you don't really say very often about Texas Tech. So we'll see what happens exactly there with the Red Raiders. Let's move on to some mailbag questions. So we have questions submitted from fans on Twitter, and I want to run through a few of these. Um, Let's start off talking about East Carolina. ECU has made 
so many postseasons. 30, I think, 30 regional appearances is what my memory is telling me. Uh, but again, can't put a sleep-deprived man's memory to test, really. Uh, will this be the year ECU finally makes it to Omaha? One game away, hosting his home Super Regional against Texas a year ago. We all know how that went. Uh, will ECU make it to Omaha? Ooh, I mean, I feel like you got to just keep keep saying yes, and one of these years you'll probably be right, right? Like, like <laughs> they have... Like you can't, the odds are, I don't know, it's like a coin flip 50-50 each year. It feels like that they're going to make it and they don't. So they've it's been coming up tails for them quite a few times. I, I kind of like the rotation. Carter Spivy's coming back. He's an experienced senior at a sub three ERA last year. Um, John Gross, 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 Trey Savage. They, they got some a pretty good rotation. I think, I think that this, this could be the year. Uh, I'll say yes. What do you think? I think you did a great job of pronouncing all those names. I don't think there's a single doubt in my mind that you got all those perfectly correct. <laughs> it could even be Spivy. What did I say? Spivy? I don't know. Yeah, I think it's Spivy. I, I like I like Carter Spivy as well. Uh, American Pitcher of the Year, I think, should be the favorite to be the American Pitcher of the Year again. Uh, I don't know. Whenever I look for Omaha teams, I look for experience up the middle. I look for returning, starting pitching. You gotta like returning your ace. They're probably starting a freshman at shortstop. That's always a little bit iffy. If I had to choose head to tails coin flip, I'm gonna say no. This is not the year East Carolina makes it to Omaha. I think I brought down the ranking maybe in our discussion a little bit so that we put them at 17 in the preseason. So maybe that reflects the fact that you're a touch higher on them than I am. But don't call I I wouldn't be shocked if they made it this year, but mm -hmm. I don't think this is the year for the pirates uh elsewhere from the mailbag this one is uh about texas a&m well texas what is texas a&m's realistic expectations this season realistic hosting a regional i feel like that's pretty realistic yeah maybe hosting maybe. a super that's it's maybe a little bit too realistic or too uh too high i don't know yeah the tough thing is i think there's a good odds that they're not top two in the sec west mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's kind of hard to be a top eight seed yeah That's i think i mean it's, it's the type of year i wouldn't be shocked if they end up fourth in the sec west and they're still really good like right still like lsu will miss possibly. arkansas could all be ahead of a&m and a&m could still be a top 10 team so I think realistic expectation, what to expect from the Aggies. Let's have them uh, as a regional host. I think it would be a very solid year two for Schloss. Would feel like some program momentum being built. Check out this schedule for AM. They start SEC play. Uh, well, the game before that, a midweek game, they play at Houston, which is, you know, always kind of a fun American conference team. Then they start SEC play with LSU at home. Then they play Rice, which is just kind of a fun rivalry. Then they travel to Tennessee host Texas in the midweek, and then host Ole Miss the next week. Start a, That's number one, two, and four in the country before you like really get to the meat of your SEC schedule. I mean, you're going to know about them pretty quick, right? You're going to know how good yeah. A&M is. <laughs> or are you? I mean, by you, March. Like, that's kind of like the, the freezing point kind of thing, right? Like, what if all those teams are way better and you can't tell and A&M is like the fifth best team in the country and all those teams are one, two, and three? Who knows? 
I'm really excited to see AM's offense go up against Tennessee's pitching staff. I think if you see any sign of life then from AM, even if they lose that series, that will bode pretty well for them for the rest of the year. Yeah, good point. So this one's uh from our friends at the 1012 podcast. Which big 12 teams have a legit shot at Omaha? Um all of them and none of them. I, I no, that's not true. Uh, I think the five teams we have in our top fifty all have cases for a shot at Omaha. We're pretty low on Oklahoma, and we're not alone in that. I would say that I would be surprised. I'd be very surprised if Oklahoma makes it to Omaha this year. They lost so many guys. They lost their whole starting rotation. They lost so many of the leaders from this team that did make it to the College World Series championship series. So I mean, in some ways, you say hey, this team has College World Series experience. And I would counter, in order to have College World Series experience, you actually have to have some of those guys return from the team. <laughs> and so many of those guys are gone. They do bring in a good transfer class. So I would say Oklahoma maybe doesn't really have a legit shot at Omaha. Um, I think Oklahoma State, maybe with their pitching, feels like a, a little bit of an Omaha, more recipe um, team to me. Um, Texas so... pretty much lives in Omaha, so this this could make it a three-peat. Yeah, Texas has so much turnover. I mean, obviously, huge question marks with Tanner Witt. We have him as a preseason prospect All-American, but I mean, still recovering from Tommy John. And the reports are basically if Texas is in contention, he's going to come back and pitch for them. If they're not, he probably won't pitch for them. If they get Tanner Witt back at the end of the year, that's going to be really big for Texas. (laughs) But um, it's hard to know exactly what to expect um, with with. Texas because they also are so returning so many are are not returning so many guys. Uh, TCU in year two with Sarlos uh, after having a reasonably competitive regional appearance in the College Station regional last year, I think should be in the conversation. Um, beyond that, I would be shocked if West Virginia, Baylor, Kansas, Kansas State or in the conversation. I think there's a pretty big drop off. I think there's a tier one and tier two in the big 12 this year. And you can draw the line kind of between Oklahoma and West Virginia, in my opinion. All right. Who is a dark horse for the tournament? How are you interpreting this question, Kyle? Are you saying, are you interpreting this as who is a team that we aren't really thinking about that will make the tournament or who is a team that could be kind of a scrappy team, get into the tournament and then win it all either way, answer it how you want, but what are your thoughts on who is a dark horse team for the tournament? Either way, it's a hard question because we don't know. I mean, uh, I feel like teams that we considered for our top 50 that just missed the cut were teams like, Rutgers down there, Georgia Tech. Yeah, Rutgers is a good one. I like Rutgers. Yeah. Yeah. Georgia Tech always recruits well. People, a lot of people were mad that we didn't include them in our top 50. Uh, they always recruit well. They just lost a ton from last year. So if they can, and they they weren't that that... good last year, like their (laughs) pitching was terrible. Like they lost obviously in a regional final to Tennessee, but their pitching was really bad for most of the season. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know. You can't be that mad at us for not ranking a team that was god-awful. I could not pitch to save as mad as they want. Yeah, that's true. You can be mad. I'm not going to care. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I feel like those those are some good ones that for Dark Horses for making the tournament. I mean, I feel like any team in the ACC can make the tournament and also not make the tournament. I feel like the ACC is always just a crapshoot. Yeah. um, Yeah, it's true. The ACC, at the end of the day, 
Hard to exactly know. Like a Florida State, I mean, it's hard to say Florida State's a dark horse, but when you have a first-year head coach there uh, with uh, Link Jarrett heading from Notre Dame over there, maybe you're like, maybe that they're going to have the Schloss effect in Florida State, and they're going to become a contender and you know make it to the deep into the tournament. Um, Possibly, yeah. I feel like there's probably some Pac-12 school out there. We've seen Fullerton being down, or sorry, not Pac-12, but West Coast. Like, Kelsey Fullerton has been down. Their talent is going back up. I think Long Beach State will be in the conversation, maybe, for uh, getting into the tournament. These are teams we have outside the top 50 that might be kind of tournament teams at the end of the year. Uh, Maybe a team like Washington or Cal from the Pac-12 might be tournament teams. But... Mm -hmm. um, uh, I mean, that's the hard thing. Dark horses are weird when you barely, I mean, you don't have any data yet. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, I mean, in last year, the Pac-12, it was like night and day, the teams that were definitely in the tournament and definitely not. It was, there was a, a hard line. So maybe that line gets a little more fuzzy this year in Washington, Washington and Cal or can, can like creep up into that area. We'll see. So Steven asks us, about Mississippi State. And I love this first part. Will Mississippi State make the SEC tournament? Uh, I would say, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'll say like, yeah. yes. Yeah. That seems I like mean, a fair. Two teams have to not make it. I, I don't yeah. know who it's going to be. <laughs> yeah. I would say, I mean, Missouri would be one. And then I don't really know. Kentucky, Kentucky maybe. Uh-huh. Kentucky might be, <laughs> has some good arms this year. Uh, but yeah, I'm going to say, yes, they'll make the SEC tournament. I'm going to say, yes, they'll make a regional. Uh, and then the rest of the question, will they make a super? Will they make it to Omaha? Let's say no. I think they'll like win a game in a regional is kind of what I see as like a reasonable year for them. I think they're like it was it was just a weird year, right? Like, yeah, last yeah. year was a weird year for Mississippi State. Uh, I mean, Landon Sims going down was just the kind of the beginning and the end of the story. I mean, it was just kind of like sums up the fact that this team had injuries, that things didn't quite go right for them. They lost a series to Tulane. It was just a weird, weird year. They will be better this year. And um, didn't, didn't they lose the first series of the year against Long Beach State? Was it Long yeah. Beach? Yeah, they had uh, all sorts of odd losses. Um, yeah. So, yes, they will make the SEC tournament. Yes, they will make a regional. That's what I have for them next year. I think it's fair. And next up, uh, one last question from the eight teams uh, who made to Omaha. Who is definitely going back to Omaha and who is definitely isn't going back to Omaha? I like this question. It's so hard. I could say definitely isn't. I could say Notre Dame and Oklahoma just for... uh... Uh, and I don't even know definitely. Let's say definitely with like a a tinge of not really, no one's ever really sure, but um, I'll, I'll go those two. You lose your head coach at, at Notre Dame and then Oklahoma, you lose just so much talent from a, a really experienced and old team last year. It's so hard to go back to Omaha, but uh, those two are pretty easy pickings for definitely not going back. Yep, I say those two. Um I don't want to say Auburn, but I do. Like if I had to choose a third one, uh, I think Auburn is probably, I mean, I I think Auburn's a good team, but again, just uh, an odds thing. I don't think they're going to be back. Uh, Who's definitely going back? Uh, If I had to pick one to definitely go back, probably say Stanford. 
Stanford yeah. we have as a top five team, uh, I mean, number three team in the country. So they're the highest ranked team we have going into the preseason who made it to Omaha mm-hmm. last year. Uh, their path always tends to be both interesting, both hard and different. Uh, because there's fewer teams out West, sometimes there's a little bit of an over-concentration of slightly too good schools in their regional. But yeah. at this point, Stanford's made it to back-to-back College World Series. They've been hosting regionals year in and year out. It'd be kind of surprising if they weren't hosting a regional, hosting probably hosting a super regional. Stanford does really well at home. So I think definitely making it back. I'll put it at Stanford. I think other teams I would put in that conversation probably is Arkansas. Arkansas and Stanford. Arkansas, Stanford, Ole Miss would be the three that I feel most confident about with AM and Texas being in a little bit of a middle ground for me. Yeah. And then Ole Miss too is just kind of yeah. Kind of that next territory that's like tier two, like eh, I could see him going back. Yeah. But, yeah. I don't know. I, I I like Ole Miss. I think I I, I like Arkansas's pitching. I know Jackson mm-hmm. Wiggins is like a is a dude, but is a dude who hasn't necessarily produced, but I think he'll take a step forward. So I think Arkansas will have one of the best pitching staffs in the country. And like I've kind of parroted year in and year out teams, you have fewer question marks about pitching staffs heading into the season or teams that I feel better about making it to Omaha. So I like what I have. I like what what we have with Arkansas there. Yep. That's fair. All right, Kyle, that is all that we have for this week's podcast. I am excited for this season i think this is going to be a a barn burner of a season for college baseball Uh, a lot going on in terms of changing of the guard at the top i mean we're we're kind of coming back to this old age of lsu baseball i mean not quite gorilla ball but we're getting lsu kind of uh back from a a little bit of a of a of a, a recent slump uh, of course, we have SEC powers, but it'll be fascinating to see how our, our darling mid-majors play out. And I think next week on the podcast, we might start picking our Omaha eight teams and diving mm-hmm. into a little bit more on what we think is going to happen this year. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing if LSU can go wire to wire uh, number one and win the whole thing. Unlikely. I don't know if it's been done ever, but... Uh, they uh, definitely have, I don't know, the the talent. They, they tried to pull a mid-90s Yankees and buy everything, but we'll see. Thanks for listening to the College Baseball Nation podcast. If you like this, share it with your friends. Give us a rating. Follow us on social media at College Ball and that. And check out our website, collegebaseball.info. Thanks for listening and have a great week.